Monica Lewinsky delivered a brilliant TED Talk this week here in Vancouver at TED Talks Vancouver and received a standing O for her performance. That made me think of another brilliant TED Talk by Amy Cuddy that is about faking it. Now, I am not a big proponent for faking it, but tonight I'm going to tell you about some times in my life when I had no choice but to fake it right here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationship the best they can be. It is National Orgasm Week. I'm sure you know that, after all, and I may have to reconsider my stand on faking it after seeing Amy Cuddy's TED Talk, which is called Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are. I was really impressed with this. The TED Talk is brilliant, and I implore you to watch it, especially if you want to improve your sex life. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in the program. Now, if you've listened to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show in the past, or if this is your very first time, know that I am extremely interested in sexual desire, in particular in women, in part because this is related to arousal and excitement and orgasm. And I also think women are repressed in our society and our sexuality is sometimes shut down. But you know what? It all begins with desire. But for so many reasons, from circumstantial like finances, family and fatigue, to marriage, mortgage and medication, from abuse to abandonment and anger, from weight to well-being or lack thereof, sexual desire decreases and it impacts a woman's health and relationships and quite often in a very negative way. So tonight I'm going to be talking about how your body language may impact your orgasm too, and that'll be a little bit later on in the program. In the news this week, more than 50,000 Canadians leave the country each year for surgery, but we handle the complications right here in Canada. And I've actually experienced that myself, where I have been one of the nurses who actually helped a patient who left the country to have some cockamamie, no pun intended, surgery, and returned here with complications. I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit later as well. Many people leave to have gastric bypass surgeries, urological surgeries, and of course, ortho... orthopedic surgeries, sorry, like knees and hip replacements. And often I see these people, one thing people can do to really help their health and their weight and their life and their sex life and and feeling better about themselves and increasing their sexual self-esteem is to lose weight. Um, And I see a lot of people, I make note of a lot of people who need new knees and new hips and they happen to be overweight. Well, many years of excess weight is going to put pressure on these knees and hips. And of course, sugar increases inflammation and that increases pain. And, you know, one thing leads to another and then people aren't having sex and then they're not feeling great. They're not sleeping well. They're in bad moods. And anyway, I could go on and on, but I won't. Um, But anyhow, later on, we'll talk about some of those complications. And so it's, it's not all fantastic that you think, oh, great, I can go to Mexico or Arizona or Louisiana and have this surgery. But what happens when you are septic and you need to return to this country. Well, we healthcare practitioners, nurses and doctors here deal with you. Whenever I say if you're not having sex with your husband or your male partner, whether it be at a conference or in my clinical practice, women get defensive and say I am blaming women for men's bad behavior. I'm going to talk about my latest blog at backtothebedroom-blog.ca because a patient came into my office this week and her marriage broke up because she had low sexual desire, but she had a medical condition that caused her to have low sexual desire. And like I said, 
women's sexual desire is related to so many different aspects of our lives. And so that's why it's important that we open this dialogue and have this conversation and understand what it is that has led to a woman having low sexual desire. Is it cultural? Is it is it that we're called tarts and tramps and hookers when we enjoy sex or when we or have a liaison. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that as well. Here's some rocket science for you. There's a research study out this week in a prestigious journal, sexual uh, medicine journal on online. When men watch porn, it is arousing and they have better erections. I'm going to dive down there a little bit later on in the program talking about men, porn, and erections. I've also had some negative comments about that as well, in particular on Facebook. Somebody said that if, if the man in your life is watching porn, then that means you your marriage is a disaster and you know things are not going well in your relationship and he's disgusting and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, we all are entitled to our opinions. But also understanding how sex works and how erections work and, and the role that the brain plays in sexual arousal and sexual desire and in, and in great sex, quite honestly, is really important. And we, when we understand that men's sexual cravings and urges may manifest themselves differently than women's, and I'm not saying that women are not sexual or do not certainly enjoy great sex. Women certainly do, and it's time that we change that perception out there as well. I'm trying to do that a little bit here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. If you have any comments or questions about any of the subjects that I'm going to be talking about tonight, uh, the number to call is 604 280 98 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always email me at sextalk at cknw.com or tweet me at back the number two, the bedroom. Love to get those tweets from you and those emails. I will read some of those emails for you tonight. Also going to be talking about the, uh, as an extension from last week, and I'm not talking about surgeries that people leave the country for, uh, on an extension from last week, Tom Panuzio spoke about the dangers of sending, uh, lascivious pictures across to your lover on his phone or her phone and the trouble you can get in. Well, to that end, I've invited Steve Wilson here and he's going to talk to us about the dangers of online dating and his new company, MyCyberAdvocate.com. So I look forward to that. But let's get back to Monica Lewinsky. I I was very impressed that she's uh, come forward. It's been some 18, 19 years. I believe that woman has suffered tremendously, and she suffered for a long time. She spoke a little bit about that. This is a woman who was humiliated on the global stage at a very young age in an incident that involved the leader of the free world at the time. At the time, the U.S. was a global powerhouse, highly respected, and Bill Clinton was a magician. He was handsome, debonair, just the right amount of Southern charm. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He's brilliant and married to one of the most brilliant and powerful women on the planet. Everybody loved Bill at the time, well, except for the Republicans, of course, and that played a role in this. You see, Americans care a whole lot about publicly humiliating people who are engaging in extramarital affairs than Canadians do. If a prominent person in Canada were to have an extramarital affair, no one would really bat that much of an eyelash compared to what they do in the U.S. And then it's even more uh, significant in England, and, and we've seen some of the tabloids on that. But for Monica, it was a nightmare. She was a young woman. You think about it, 22 years old. She was betrayed by someone she thought was a colleague and a friend and shamed like none other. So I do implore you to listen to her TED Talk as well if you would not done so already. It was brilliant. Um, 
but I had already heard a an earlier version or an earlier rendition of that talk at the Forbes 30 Under 30 event this year. Uh, so I was uh, absorbing it just a little bit more and in, in a little bit of a different way. But the only thing I would like to say about Monica, and believe me, I am not insulting what she wore because I know there's a lot of uh, broadcasters and <laughs> uh, radio announcers get... Uh, criticized for what they're wearing or what their hair looks like and, th- and that's not what I'm, I'm trying to do here. But she wore pants and a button-down shirt and dark colors and I felt that she should have reclaimed her blue dress and I mean I'm not Monica, I am not in her shoes, I did not live her life and I've not experienced all of that devastating pain that she has but you know what, to be fully healed I would have loved to have seen her stand up in a most magnificent, in the most sexiest hot blue dress, because that color is really in right now, uh, and actually toss her beret to the crowd. She apologized for wearing the beret. It's a fashion statement, but I can imagine every time she saw herself in a photograph in that beret, she must have gotten sick. Uh, she was at times, her parents were very worried about her being suicidal. Um, you can just imagine, and as everybody made fun of her, and uh, you know, she was the taking the brunt of that. As she said, she was patient zero for cyberbullying. And she also apologized. What was she apologizing for? Her affair with Bill? If you have been one of the lucky few to experience the neurochemistry of love and lust, you will understand that this affair personified that and could not be helped. I think she has nothing to apologize for. Um, I would uh, I would have tossed a beret out to the crowd myself, but that may not have been very TED Talk-like. I'm not sure where Monica will go from here, but I do wish her well, and, and I have a business idea for her. I really think she should open up an online dress company with a whole slew of different shades of blue, and she should name them. They should be called the Star, the Hillary, the Extramarital Affair, the Blue, the Beret, the Perjury, the Obstruction of Justice, the Linda Tripp, the Paula Jones, the Independent Counsel, the I Did Not, the I Did, and the Who Hasn't. And really, who hasn't? Anyway, I'm sure you have. So uh, feel free to give me a call if you like, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. If you have any thoughts about that, she certainly has had uh, some reverberations on Twitter and on social media about her talk. But I, I, I wish her the best, and I think it took a lot of courage. And I, I'm thrilled. I think it's karma, and I think it's fantastic, actually. Um, anyway, she's beautiful, and I, uh, I like to see her go forward on the global stage in terms of helping a lot of people who have been targets and victims of cyberbullying. Last week, Tom Panuzio warned us of what can happen when you send your lurid and lascivious pictures to your lovers, and the consequences can be fatal. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So what do we do about this? Sexting is an epidemic. I'm thrilled to have in the studio with me, because this is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. I really don't like when people treat each other poorly and when they take advantage of people. And I've seen so much of this in my patients and uh, I've heard of it online. Um, When people are fraudulent, when they're, especially in this world of online dating and how much the internet plays a role in our lives, anyone can be a victim of uh, fraudulent fraudulent behavior online. And to that end, Steve, (laughs) fraudulence sounds good. Anyway, Steve Wilson joins me. Thank you for joining me, Steve. Steve is a constable and economic technical crime unit out in Delta, and he's also developed a new company, which is great, mycyberadvocate.com. Yep. That's right. So tell me, Steve, uh, what, what ha- what's going on here? Why are women giving, and, and men, 50-50? Men, 50, yeah. 50, 50. That's right. Women give their money to these men that they think are the 
uh, their soulmates online that they perhaps have never met, and yeah. men do the same. And what's that all about? Are we just a bunch of bleeding hearts or what? You know, online dating has become such a huge topic lately. Um, um, like I was saying before we come on the air there, um, last year I wasn't getting a lot of interest from it. And, uh, this year, like next month, I'm three different talks on the subject of online dating. It's huge now. Big business, but at the same time, it's also a huge opportunity for fraudsters. Um, and what we're seeing um, is people are going online to these dating sites. They're not doing their due diligence. They're getting hooked into an online relationship. The people that they're dealing with in these online relationships are, are professional um, con artists, you know, to put it mildly. Um, they tell you everything you want to hear. Like they have your backgrounds before you even, you know, you exchange profiles online, decide you want to hook up online. And everything you ever wanted in a relationship, that's the person they're going to be. And, you know, in a lot of instances now, they'll drag you along for six months telling you, you know, that they love you. And they've, you know, if you're into dogs or animals or walks on the beach, that's their favorite thing to do as well. So this has to be very psychological because having never met a person and yeah. then they tell you that they love you yeah. is what, what's happening there with the psychology. Yeah. And well, you know, a lot of things happen. Um, they're so good at what they do at, at being everything you ever wanted in a relationship that um, they'll drag you along and tell you that they're out of the country for a, a, you know an extended period of time and they can't wait to come back and spend time with you, and that'll go on for a bit. And you, the person will be con- you know question what's going on, but then they'll they'll reinforce what's happening and oh you know I can't look you know I'm looking so forward to seeing you. Um, when we get back, it's going to be all the time. But you've never met the person. Yeah, <laughs> this I is know. the pe- this is the missing link. That's right. You've never seen them. I yep. mean, you can be attracted to a one by one photo, I yep. suppose. Yeah. Uh, and that can be arousing, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, to never have laid eyes on when when this neurochemistry of love and lust between two people, it's actually you're attracted to their skin and their eyes and their hair and their the way they move and their the way they speak, and so. Yeah. How can this, how is it that people are lured in like this and believe this? Do they give you any insight into it? You know, a lot of times everyone's got a, a bit of a different background. In some instances, it's um, they're in a relationship they're not happy in. They're looking for um, an escape from that. Other times we're dealing with um, elderly people who have lost their significant other. Um, you know, and then this online entity becomes that, that other person. And, and they, they fall for that. Um, and then it goes on and on to the point where... Um, usually, you know, a couple months down the road, they start asking for money. Well, you know, I think denial plays a role here because yeah. I have a colleague who's a very intelligent person and she was uh, into the online dating and she met somebody and they texted and phoned and emailed for six months and then he asked for money and she knew that was the trigger. She knew, but she said there were some signs before then and I said, what were they? She said, well, she'd heard roosters in the background <laughs> That's a sign because mostly they're com- they're calling from farms in Africa. Is right. that? Well, I wouldn't say it's just Africa. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a global issue right now, um, and they're they have very extensive networks. You know, sometimes they can be on the eastern side of Canada and then the UK, um, Africa. And I've heard they hire, you know, young men, uh, well, more women, but and put like a hundred in a room and have them phoning. Yep. Constantly. Yep. Yes. Yep. They have what we call them boiler rooms, and they'll have kids that sit in there all day long and they're basically just paid to see how many people they can hook up. Um, and in some instances, some of the people have 20 or 30 people that they're building relationships with. Yeah, now, my people. computer was hacked and, you know, I've had you on the show and I've had others and yeah. I'm aware of this. And, uh, and I was, you know, it 
it froze. I couldn't do anything. And then it said, call this number. And I called this number. And I started with, I think you're, fra- I think you're a fraudster. And they were, <laughs> and, and they were like, um, no, that's okay. We are not. We are with Apple. And blah, blah, blah. She was so convinced. She went on and on and on. And, I, and she kept saying, just click it. Just click it. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not going to click it yet. Wait yeah. a minute. And I actually texted you. And I texted another friend. Yep. And I'm like, just a second. And I was on for like 15 or 20 minutes. And then I learned later that they want to keep you on the line. And I was, just, and they were saying, no, it, we're not going to charge you a credit card. <laughs> we're just going to send you a bill for like 398 But if you go into the store, it's going to cost you 698 And And... Anyway, probably no one's understanding what, what word I'm saying because I'm mim- mimicking the accent. But then I got a text back from my social media expert friend, Dave.ca, and he said, don't do it. Like, yeah, no. And, right. and I realized and I thought someone like me, who I think I'm, well, not that savvy, but, <laughs> but I think at least I'm aware. And mm-hmm. I almost did it because I was desperate. Like, it was going to shut me down. And yeah. I, you know, used my computer quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really important. You, you, even when you fall for this person, when it when it gets to some point, you have to do the due diligence. You have to know who it is you're actually dealing with online. And there are cases when it, it's legitimate and it ends up being a a, a worthwhile relationship to pursue. It's a but, fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, but in other times, you know, it it's not, and it, it's surprising. It's surprising how easy it is to actually do that that background check. And so, what does your company do? So, for- so what we'll do is we do it for. Um, uh, individuals and businesses, but we'll do the background check for these people. And, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, um, I get the call after they've already sent, mm. in some cases, over half a million dollars uh-huh. to these people. And, you know, and, and I'm not getting a call because they're not sure who I'm dealing with. They want to get a call because they're having issues with trying to get their boyfriend back in the country. And I'm always, so, you know, tell me some of the background here. And uh. it's always the same thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they're still... Being, they're still believing that this yeah. person exists and is for real, and they've sent six hundred thousand yep. dollars, and they just want him to come back, and he's gone. Yeah, he's long gone. Yeah. So what or we, she? Yeah. So what we try to do up front here. is is basically just tell people, you know, like let let's find out who you are actually dealing with. Is this person real or not? And take the time to do that. Like it, it, it's your it's your life. Let's, and you have the skills to do that. You yeah. know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, that's right. And 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 we try to help people. And unfortunately, even after we've done that, and we've put all the information in front of these people, they still won't believe us. But And that's know. where I think that denial is a drug yeah. comes into play. Is yeah. people they don't want to believe you. They want to believe that there's a Prince Charming at the end of, yeah. of the line. Yeah. And so we always tell people, you know, exercise that that bit of caution. Um and, and there's a couple of things you can do to prevent that right off the bat is when you when you go to online dating sites, go to an online dating site that's got a good reputation. Um if that they're willing to do the profiles, background checks for you. That's, oh, okay. that's key. So do the common ones we know about that are out there, Plenty of Fish, Harmony, you know, eHarmony, do they all um, do the background they checks? They should be. They should um, be. That's something I would definitely ask up front okay. and find out what they're actually doing for right. the background checks. Right. Um, and they should always, always be posting, you know, information about, you know, prevent this type of activity from happening. Right. You know, like if, if you're dealing with their particular site and all of a sudden you're being asked to go to yahoo.com or a different email address, oh, okay. that's a sign. Okay. Um, if you're being asked to send money, that's that's a pretty obvious one. Western Union, if Western they say Union, that, it's not um, good. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know, and then from there, we, all kinds of other things they'll try to do. Like if they, they're coming home to see you and all of a sudden it gets delayed and this becomes an ongoing issue. I mean, that's... That's a warning sign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, uh, hopefully, uh, even if helping one person, and you'll be helping lots of people with your new yeah. company. Yeah, 
Yeah, and mycyberadvocate.com. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what were you going to say? Sorry. And I was going to say, you know, the other, the big thing, the key thing we tell people is, is don't keep it to yourselves. Tell your family. Like, if if there's really nothing you're suspicious about anything, why aren't you telling your kids that you have someone online you're interested in, or telling your best friend? Right. Because usually they'll be the first ones to give you an independent. Um, piece of advice saying, you know, this doesn't sound right. Exactly. Yeah, well, Steve, always great information. Thank you so much, Steve Wilson, mycyberadvocate.com. So if you think that woman or that man that you've met online is the one you're going to end up with the rest of your life, think again. Anyway, check him out and have Steve Wilson do due diligence for you. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I mentioned that uh, with the first week of spring comes National Orgasm Week, or did I? Most women can only experience orgasm with clitoral stimulation. Some women need a little extra help in the bedroom. Some men need it too. For some women, it may take 15 minutes or 20 minutes, 25 minutes of stimulation for them to experience an orgasm, if they do at all. Only about a third of women ever report experiencing orgasm. Many can only experience orgasm with clitoral stimulation. Many people find this is a lot of time in this day and age, and especially if the sex is pretty vanilla. So to be a long time, if you're going to be focusing on this for a long time, you can kind of lose interest. And that can actually relate to erectile dysfunction in men. I'm going to get to that a little bit later in the program. So you would think that more women would turn to their power princesses, i.e. their sex toys, to help them soar. But no, research shows that barely more than a third of women have ever used a vibrator during intercourse, in part because their partners, male or female, and all the subjects that I talk about apply to same-sex couples as well as heterosexual couples, but sometimes the male partner or the female partner feels offended if they're lover is using a vibrator to help things move along or to help things improve or to have skyrocketing orgasms. Anyway, about 43% of heterosexual men have used a vibrator at some point. And only about 10% of men and women have done so recently, have used a vibrator recently. So this may be We might be looking back years for this. Why is this? As I mentioned, many men feel threatened by a vibrator and other sex toys, even if you go out shopping for one together, and that's something that you might want to do together, is go shopping for a vibrator together, like the couple's vibe. And But even this, some people don't take this advice, or they think they, they don't want to share this. Their most intimate person, the person they're the most intimate with, that they may sleep with routinely, make love with, be intimate with, be vulnerable with, they can't tell them that they might like to add a sex toy to the relationship. Or they they don't like to tell their partners that they have difficulty experiencing an orgasm. That's why a lot of people fake it, which is a lot of women fake it. That's what I'm talking about, women faking it. I faked it, (laughs) not that. Other things. <laughs> anyway, I'm not a big proponent of faking it. <laughs> but occasionally people fake it. I was going to tell you something else about another faking thing that I've done. But we all fake different things in life. Anyway, um, I'm turning red here. You can't see that. Maybe you can feel it. But anyway, faking it, I've never really thought was a great idea. But after Amy Cuddy's TED Talk about faking it, 
I, I've had to reconsider this because there's this fake it until you make it, which actually may change a person. I believe women's sexuality has been somewhat repressed by society. Somewhat? Of course it has been. Women are chided. Women are blasphemized. Women are insulted. Women are offended. Women are called names for being sexual. And I know that for women, the feeling of being desired is a very powerful one. It's very highly arousing, especially if you are mindful about that. So that sense of being wanted, that sense of being desired is incredibly powerful, and that will increase female sexual desire. This is a big uh, subject of, of great interest to me. I've done a lot of research in this area. I've spoken to a lot of women over the years. But these thoughts that women are sexual, that women enjoy sex, that women are sexual beings, that women find pleasure in sex, that women may have more than one sex partner. These thoughts are considered by society to be unbecoming of a woman. And when we hear about a sexual woman, as I said, much like Monica Lewinsky, we hold them up on the world stage, call her all sorts of names, refer to her as a tramp, a slut, a whore. I don't have... There's absolutely no room in my dictionary. There, those words do not come into my dictionary at all. You, there's, women are sensual. Women are sexual. And it's about pleasure. It's also about health. And it's every woman's right. We all have sexual health and human rights as well. When men have sex, which is fairly frequently, they are applauded. When they share the naked photos of a woman or brag about their sexual prowess or indiscretion or a liaison that they may have had, they're, they're applauded, they're admired, they're adored. I'm trying to change that. Not that part, but uh, not, not people engaging in sex, but people having inappropriate responses to sexual beings. Because I understand the vital importance of a good sex life. It is multifactorial. It goes from your weight to your mindset, your emotional health and your mental health to your sexual self-esteem. But one area of focus is the female orgasm. Not thought to be very important for a number of years, but it turns out it really is. You see, when you orgasm, you release endorphins. That helps with mood. That helps with sleep. That helps with pain. And so this can be really powerful. And it's very important that women seek to experience orgasm. I know I've talked about this before, but I think Amy Cuddy in her TED Talk, Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are, makes a great case for becoming something you are not. So faking it may be okay. If you feel it, you can be it. Just picture yourself in the moment, thinking, focusing, writhing, faking it on the border between pain and pleasure, which is a lovely place to be. If you act the part enough, that part may become you in time. And I believe not only may you experience orgasm if you never have, you may experience better orgasm. And I also believe that when women, when it comes to sexual desire for women, women are as visually stimulated and are perhaps more easily turned on than men. And research supports this. The idea that a woman needs to feel emotionally connected in order to feel attracted and aroused, I feel, is another urban myth. How many women are attracted to, as I mentioned in the previous section, that one-inch profile picture? That's arousing for women. They know right away. And the determination as to whether a woman will go out with someone is if that small profile picture arouses them. 
Ladies, get in touch and harness your sexual urges and cravings because you have them too, and it is okay. Cognitive mindfulness behavioral therapy is vital in female sexual dysfunction. That means engaging your brain in your sex life, the largest sex organ. It means picturing your genitalia. What we mean by cognitive mindfulness behavioral therapy is actually thinking about what your genitalia looks like, picturing the blood flowing to your clitoris, to your vulva, to your vagina, during foreplay and during intercourse, during the time that you are intimate with somebody. It means play, or if you're by yourself, that's fine too. It means placing the focus there, not on your shopping list, not on the color of your ceiling or what kind of sink you're going to install in your bathroom. It means fantasizing that someone else is in that bed with you, especially if you are in a long-term relationship. Think of somebody else who is arousing to you. If you're attracted to somebody else, even if there's never a chance you will ever have a liaison, think of that person along with your genitalia. It is arousing and it may increase your chance of having a fabulous orgasm. Some of you perhaps have heard some of the commercials about V-Love. That's another tool in that toolbox to increase sexual desire. V-Love is a gel. It's a sexual desire gel and a lubricant. It contains larginine, which converts to nitric oxide in the body, and that increases blood flow by relaxing the blood vessels. It's also a fabulous lubricant, which I said, and decreasing friction during penetrative sex is very helpful for people. Anyway, that's my little stance on women and sexuality and orgasm and how changing the mindset is important. And Amy Cuddy's TED Talk has certainly changed my mindset. I implore you to watch that, too. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for your staying power and remaining with me until the climax of this program. I will give you some V-love anytime you like. Anyway, you can, you can email me, sextalk at cknw.com, or tweet me at back the number two, the bedroom. I have an email here that I would like to read. Dear Maureen, really enjoy your program, but it is on when I am putting my kids to bed. Is there any chance you could switch your program to be on at 9 p.m. or make it a two-hour show? Cheers. Mary, a mom who needs more sexual desire. There was a study about this, too, that uh, fatigue, of course, being the number one. These are not rocket science studies, honestly. I think they have to actually study this to get this. But anyway, fatigue is the number one reason for low sexual desire in women, according to some research, not according to Dr. Google. But uh, anyway, so if you want to give your lady a lovely gift, give her the gift of a nap, and that will actually help to increase sexual desire. It just makes so much sense. Anyway, women who are well-rested, have a good sleep, have better sex lives. So the gift of a nap is good. I am with you, Mary. I I feel this program could, uh, speaking um, to the 9 o'clock request, I feel this program could delve deeper, be more risque. I could get down and dirty, <laughs> er, <laughs> if it were on later, but uh, unfortunately that's not up to me. Two hours of sex, how great would that be? Anyway, I also have another email here that I just received. Hi, Maureen. Great show. I listen every Sunday night on my way home from hockey. I think you've called me before. Anyway, you must have heard it all. Here is my question. What is the weirdest question you have ever been asked? Keep it up. Ha ha. Couldn't help myself. John. <laughs> Thanks, John. Weirdest question. Well, I, I um, it was recent, actually. It was a 72-year-old woman who said she doesn't want to have sex with... Uh, uh, I could have a... Uh, a, a better question. Uh, she didn't want to have sex with men because the condom might break and then they would leave all those particles in you and the doctors could figure out that she'd had sex with many men anyway. So I'm like, okay, well, that's uh, 
a little strange. Anyway, so then people said, Maureen, you're a sex expert. Is that true? Uh, and why would she even worry that the condom broke? Because she can't get pregnant. So this went from weird to weirder. And I said, well, the highest incidence of sexually transmitted infections is in the over 55-year-old age group. So it would be important. That one thing she did have correct. Anyway, so that is that encompasses the weird. But I've certainly heard a lot in my time and in my day. And because uh, people also feel that I am extremely interested in their personal sex life. And they do approach me at dinners, at events, or whatever. And they say, I know you're interested in this. And, um, and I, whether I am or not. And they go on to tell me um, about that. Anyway, I'm, I have Ian on from Langley. Wants uh, to talk about Monica Lewinsky. Hello, Ian. <laughs> How you doing? Good. How are you? Are you still there? I'm here, yeah. I'm here, yeah. Why didn't you call me earlier? <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why didn't I call you earlier? Yeah, the show's almost over. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Did... Hey, I, got, I got a question for you. What did you mean by Monica Lewinsky was a victim? You know, you implied she was a victim of some sort. Well, a cyberbullying victim. She was patient. Oh, no, but you, you also said by somebody she trusted. Uh... Oh, um, you know who it was? It was um, Paul. Was it, it wasn't Paula Jones. It was the other one. Um, who actually betrayed her, uh, her friend and colleague, Linda Tripp, had betrayed oh. her. Okay. I thought you were referring to the president. I no, was- no. I think they were in love myself. I think they were wildly attracted to each other, and uh, <laughs> I'm a romantic at heart, and that's my, uh, that's my fantasy. <laughs> and, and one more thing. Uh, yeah. This comment about the, the websites doing background checks, yeah. I, mean, I think that's a little misleading. I'm pretty sure all that one site in particular I know he's referring to does is ask a bunch of questions, you know, and it denies your application. For example, if you say you're married, it won't let you go through with it. Whoever says they're married, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> then you they can lie, right? You, know, you should say separated, right? Well, yeah, but a lot of married people will not are still married. They're not separated or planning to, and they're still looking. They're still out there looking. Yeah, true. And it, but my point is, is there? It's not much of a you know you're paying eighty bucks a month or whatever they charge. It's not much of a security measure, is it? Uh, which are you talking about a particular site or? Well, I'm talking about the one that everybody thinks has a higher caliber of, of clientele than the rest. You know, the one that's always advertised on TV. Oh. I'm not even sure which one you're talking about. You know, uh, I forget the name of it. But, uh, I think the fellow's a doctor who runs it, and they spend millions on advertising. The lifestyle dating or something, that one? that. No, the, uh, the common one. The, oh, Plenty <laughs> of Fish or Harmony? E-Harmony? E-Harmony. E-Harmony, yeah. okay. Yeah. They, they charge like $80 a month or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you need, a, I actually really think you need a specific person to check out the backgrounds of these people. And it's not, you know, it can be done. Yeah, and it's worth it. It's complicating it, isn't it? I mean, you yourself say it's all about, you know, physical attraction, right? It is. It is about physical attraction, I think. But, you know, but that that loses its steam sometimes. And, you know, that's not what it's all about. But but some people are trying to be, you know, they're fraudsters. And they're on there intentionally to yeah. to dupe somebody. And, and, and a lot of these guys are married, and they say they're not. They give the impression that they're not married. And that might be okay for some people. Some people might be happy because they're married. And so, you know, Ashley Madison is a great example of that. 
Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks right. so much. First time listening to your show, by the way. I kind of enjoyed it. Oh, well, thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of liked you calling. Okay, thanks. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you know, I feel really badly that... Uh, I've left you hanging, you guys, but I, I have good news for you. Porn is okay. Okay, that's the basis. That's really the summary of that research study out of UCLA and Concordia. So I'm uh, giving you permission. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this. That uh, if you want better erections, watch porn and also spice up your sex life and um, bring those toys into the bedroom and... Uh, Spice things up. So you might want to bring a magic banana in or you might want to bring the intensity in. And they're all available on my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Uh, I'm also speaking this um, this spring. I'll be all, all around talking about sex and intimacy and sexual desire. And uh, no, I'm not giving men carte blanche to view all the pornogra- pornography you want. But anyway, a little bit is always good. Everything in moderation. Um, so where am I speaking? Anyway, I'm going to be out in close. I don't even have time to tell you where I'm speaking. But anyway, it'll be on my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. You can always go to my blog, which is my nurse's files, basically. And so those are stories... Uh, based on uh, not not really real people. Anyway, <laughs> no, they are. They're real cases. Uh, the names have been changed to protect the guilty, as I like to say. Um, I'm going to actually be heading up to Whistler to speak. Um, let's see. I'm going to the Shatkey Awards. I'm the MC actually, at the Shatkey Awards, which is out in Surrey, and that's on April 10th at 5.30 p.m., and uh, that was founded by Sonia Andi in an effort to recognize the work and efforts of women in that community. On May 19th, I'm going to be at uh, the BC... No, no, I'm going to be at the Autonomic Symposium at i May 25th, up to Whistler to present with Dr. Adrian Wagg at the um, BC Care Providers Association. I'll be at Every Woman BC. I'm coming to Cloverdale twice in June. I'll tell you about that later. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Back the Number 2 The Bedroom. As Marilyn Monroe said, it's not true that I had nothing on. I had the radio on. And thanks to you for having the radio on tonight. Anyway, until next week, have a sexually healthy week. I am Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.